Hey, folks, welcome back to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. This is our leadership series with the C-Suite. Today, we have Ira Greenberg from CEO of Keystone Technologies on with us to discuss the how the COVID-19 uh, crisis is going to impact the lighting industry. Before we jump into the conversation with him, though, I'd like to let you know that this episode of the show is sponsored by or brought to you by the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's NAILD.org, and you can join us there. Um, at nail.org. Hey, Greg, how's it going? I'm doing good. We're excited to have Ira here, one of the big dogs in the lighting industry. Hey, Ira, welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me. Hey, first of all, thank you for all your support over the, over the, I guess it's years now, over the years with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. It's been a fun ride. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's, it's amazing to see how, how far you guys have come and, and how much you've grown. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when did you realize that the COVID virus crisis was a business leadership issue for Keystone? Uh, well, we've been dealing with this probably since January. Naturally, our uh, supply chain uh, has, a, has uh, exposure to China. So we've been hearing about COVID-19 uh, quite a bit earlier than it's hit the mainstream media in the U.S. So we've been dealing with, with uh, COVID-19 not only on the domestic side for some time, but also on the uh, international side through our supply chains. So uh, we've been well in tune with what's been going on. Uh, now it's certainly a different world now that it's hit our shores. Um, but we've been, uh, you know, several months now uh, dealing with it and creating COVID task force to deal with it, both on the supply side as well as uh, kind of our domestic work workforce side. What is that task? Yeah, that task force. What does that task force entail? Who's on it? So it's 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 a variety of different people in our organization that have different disciplines um, where COVID-19 might impact their part of the organization. Um, people that are, uh, frankly, available at, at a moment's notice. We, we've had to move very quickly over the last couple of weeks, certainly um, with the domestic changes. And uh, the COVID-19 task force really is an on-call group of people that we've um, uh, brought together uh, to be available on a moment's notice to deal with anything that 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 might pop up, whether it's a government announcement, whether it's uh, a supply chain issue, whether it's uh, a, a, you know an employee issue on site. Um, there's always there's been many issues we'd ha we've had to come together with uh, really on a moment's notice. Really unique times. The uh, the the state of Pennsylvania, which is where you are right now, correct? That's right. Have they declared a state of emergency? And if yes, have they at least put out a list of essential services? And if yes to that, are you guys on that list? Are your businesses, is it, is it an essential service? So yes, uh, Pennsylvania came out um, about a week ago, I believe. I'm, the, all the dates are blurring together now. But yeah, we were actually one of the early states to um, go on different progressive levels of lockdown. And um, we are deemed an essential business. In fact, Pennsylvania is using the term life-sustaining business. And um, there's a, 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 a um, document that the governor's put out that dictates what determines a business as life-sustaining. Um, what we've noticed actually is that that list is, is similar to other lists we've seen around the country uh, in other states. But um, we are fully running. We have um, a complete operation running here on site for fulfillment and our entire um, team that can work remote, such as our office personnel, are, are all working remote. And they've been doing that really um, at a very early stage in this entire process. So we were we were off site well before 
uh, I think many other people were offsite. Is it safe to say that, um, and it sounds like it is, but every city and every state is able to define what they consider essential? So where you are in Pennsylvania can be different from your warehouse in California? I don't think that's true. I think there's a fairly clear definition in terms of um, categorization of what they deem essential or non-essential. You know, we're, we're not really leaving it up to interpretation and, and trying to get as much clarity as we can through legal and through um, through other means to make sure that we're in compliance. Um, so I, I think the states, as quickly as they're moving, are doing the best they can to provide as much clarity around the situation as they can. Ambiguity still remains, but um, I know of one situation, in fact, uh, in Pennsylvania where a, a, a business looked like it was going to be deemed non-essential uh, the, you know, the business management team petitioned with the state and really within uh, a couple of days, they were granted an exemption. So there are uh, situations happening where, um, you know, there's further clarification being provided around what, what's deemed essential or not essential. Now, in terms of uh, production, you guys get a lot of your products and supply from China, as do all lighting companies and LED companies. Uh, how has that affected or has it affected your business yet or will it in the future? Sure. As I mentioned earlier, we've seen this on the supply side now for a few months. Mm-hmm. So um, we've been dealing with China's shutdown um, really since the, the before Chinese New Year and then throughout Chinese New Year and beyond. Um, we've had situations where it's been more difficult to get material. Um, so that that issue seems to be uh, stabilizing and getting behind us pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Now it's more of a domestic issue. What will demand look like? What will our workforce look like going forward? Is there any specific material? Is it like an LED chip? Is it a driver? I mean, you guys make the drivers, but what what is yeah. it? Uh, typically, it, it's it's the common suspects, electronic components. Typically, um, you know, products that are going into driver uh, uh, products, components mm-hmm. that are going into driver products are typically the ones that naturally have long lead times. And in this particular case, those are the ones that tend to have the longer lead times as well. But I would say that most of our vendors are. Um, in the high 80%, 90% um, uh, capacity at this point and, and getting product out. In fact, we're getting signals that they'll be up and running at full speed by the end of this month. Um, some of them have indicated actually they're going to have increased production beyond what their baseline was before the COVID-19 situation was. So I think the supply side is uh, relatively stable and behind us. Why do you think they'll have increased production? Is it they had time to clean it up and make it more efficient, or what, what is it? Today? Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I think they, um, you know, like most businesses, are probably using this as an opportunity to work as their business may slow down a little bit. It's an opportunity to work on the business instead of in the business. So, mm-hmm. place opportunity to find efficiency gains where sometimes we're running so fast it's hard to step back and and find those opportunities to make improvements in our business. Isn't that the truth, eh? It, like it, it really is. It, it, if there if there is a if there is a silver lining to this cloud, it's the bit of a breather. I mean, um, that this is introduced where you can actually think about how your business is structured, what the individual com- people are, the people on the in the right seats on the bus, and and so on and so forth. But so we're back to demand. You mentioned demand and the uncertainty about the demand and when the demand is going to come back. Do you have? Do you think the demand is going just on your gut? I mean, obviously nobody can predict the future, but what does your gut say, Ira? Is it going to peter back? Is it going to come back slowly or is it going to come roaring back? So I think what we're seeing now is demand has been relatively stable, consistent from where it was at pre-shutdown levels. Um, but I think that's a function of jobs finishing up 
and um, a, a little bit of a race to finish up what's already out there, what the pipeline can currently looks like. I think once that band of demand um, is fulfilled, I think there's likely to be uh, a drop down quite a bit. It's going to be very difficult now for, for new projects to open up. Um, hearing stories about um, government offices obviously shutting down over you know, issuing new permits or anything of that sort. So I think securing new business for down the road is going to be difficult in this environment. That being said, I think for sure, right? Businesses are going to be, uh, there's going to be many businesses, unfortunately, I think are not going to be able to weather the storm. So they won't be able to return to the demand levels that, that we were before. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a, uh, a, a natural slowdown as, as businesses ramp back up. I, I don't think their very first consideration is, is putting more lighting into their facility. I think they're going to figure out how to ramp back up with employees, ramp back up with uh, inventories and things like that. So um, I would expect some sort of uh, delayed demand um, improvement, uh, even when the economy does start to return. But I unfortunately, I think that there are going to be circumstances where businesses just don't return at all. And, and that's going to be lost demand. So Ira's calling for a bloodbath, Greg. That's what I heard right there. I hate to say it, but that's what it sounds no, like I, to me. I wouldn't say a bloodbath. I think there's still a tremendous amount of pent-up demand for lighting. I'm encouraged by that. I also think that um, lighting is, is is a stored value in the sense that uh, if lighting needs to be changed today, it will still need to be changed in in three months from now or six months from now. It's not a restaurant where that meal is lost forever. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's, there is a lot of pent-up demand, and that's exciting. But... I think the reality reality is there there will be some businesses that don't make it through and, and that will be lost. The uh, it's interesting because when you when you when you take a look at what's happened in the last so before the whole the whole uh, the COVID uh, uh, catastrophe struck, um, the uh, we were talking about a bit of a shakeout in the business, ten years of disruption, kind of like uh, a sense of. Um, uh, of uh, uh, in, you know, uh, innovation and improvement fatigue, too many iterations, too many minor improvements to products. This was kind of a bit of a theme on the show, and how you know companies and the supply chain was struggling to to uh, was struggling to fulfill you know these promises of continued innovation in the lighting industry, and and that it kind of needed to settle down. I think a lot of companies are not prepared for this kind of crisis. They're not ready for it. They're going to be in big trouble, as you said, after this. Where is Keystone at in terms of its ability to hang on and to weather a, you know, maybe a six-month, 12-month storm here? Where are you guys at? Yeah. Look, I, I think this is an absolute true test in leadership and in resiliency and in stability. Um, I'm very proud and, and pleased to say we have a very strong financial position. So we... Um, I think we can weather this for a quite a long time um, without doing anything that would adversely affect our business over the long term. So from that standpoint, I'm excited about our position. Um, you know, we see lots of other companies in our trade with a tremendous amount of debt, um, with a tremendous amount of pressure for near-term earnings, and that is not our case. As a privately held family business um, with basically no debt, um, we're well positioned to be, um, you know, controlling our own destiny in that regard. It's interesting how debt becomes an issue um, in times of crisis. You know, uh, there was uh, there was a debate last night. So I rarely watch uh, what you guys would have is like NPR, National Public Radio, or 
you know, public television or whatever. But last night I put on TV Ontario. Scott would know Steve Pakin. Um, so he's like a, a very you know, well-known, um, you know, uh, Canadian um, journalist that interviews, you know, does financial interviews. And they were discussing with a, with a former finance minister of the province of Ontario, they were discussing the issues surrounding bailout packages and whether or not companies that didn't survive the COVID crisis should just be allowed to go bankrupt. And maybe that would be better for the, the economy than um, <clears throat> supporting businesses that entered this crisis, maybe on their last legs or maybe in, in a struggle. And, and that sometimes this flood should sink those ships. Um, how do you feel about that? Look, when a business fails, it's not just the owners that suffer. There's all the employees, there's the upstream vendors, there's the downstream customers. It impacts so many people. And in isolation, in normal times, if a single business fails, it doesn't create a big ripple around the economy. But if so many companies fail at the same time, that's when there becomes real systemic issues for um, you know, not just that individual company, but the, the workforce as a whole. Uh, and so I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that I think it's, 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 it's fair to say we ought to just let the, the, the weak fail at this point. Um, there will be so many adverse consequences that will also start to pull down some of the more stable companies um, just because we all swim in the same sea. And um, if we have a couple people that uh, fail in normal times, they won't make that many uh, changes to the greater economy. But if we see so many companies fail all at once, uh, it will really have a devastating effect across the board. But, let, uh, so, but, let, but so yeah. what? I mean, like, why, why does like this is it? And, and I'm playing devil's advocate with you here. Believe me, I, I'm uncertain as to what the right answer to a question like this is. But, you know, <clears throat> $82 billion was the number that they were talking about from the government of Canada. And in the States, it was like $2 trillion. That's a lot of money, man. And if that money's going to go out to just flow out there and it's going to trickle down to all these different, different areas, I think that's a form of distortion. And, and I'm not sure if it's the right distortion, but what you're saying is to counter to that is there's a moral obligation. Is that what you're suggesting? That there's a more in a time of crisis, there's a moral obligation for the business community to pull together. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no question about it. Hmm. I think there's there's an opportunity here for us to become stronger through this for sure. But uh, you know, we are we are all living in the same economy, and if. Um, if, if so many companies are failing, they're going to drag everybody down. So mm. as, as much as it might be appear uh, a, a unfair for um, certain industries or certain companies, um, you know, we sort of have to swallow that, that hard pill and say, you know what, Th this really is probably the better thing for the overall economy. Now, that being said, I don't, don't think it can be a, a blank check or an unrestricted uh, bailout opportunity. I think there absolutely need to be provisions in place that protect abuse. Hmm. Um, that's, you know, that there's a lot of debate going on right now in, in Washington about what that looks like. But um, we see it, obviously, the airline industry is a major issue right now where they're basically a utility company for the most part, or a utility industry for, for, our, for trade across not just That's America, an interesting angle, eh, to look at airlines as a utility. That's really interesting, actually. Oh, probably, we're, we're, the, we're the internet is too. The internet, internet is too. Of course, sure. The internet's a utility as well. Interesting. Yeah. But these um, companies, look, they, they, they reap wonderful profits when the times are good. 
the frustration for most of us is that when the times get bad, uh, they often go hat in hand looking for more money. So I think there should be an opportunity for um, some provisions to be put in place to uh, reward on the upside, but also protect a lot more on the downside. And um, I, I think there's an opportunity here to really make our system work better and, and not be so knee-jerk reaction um, in times of crisis. I read an article. Um, so the Europe, Europeans been going, European, Europe has been going through a basically a slow-motion financial crisis for 15 years. Um, with, with the introduction of the euro and blah, 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 all this stuff going on there. But I read an article there about family businesses in Germany and Austria, actually. And I think the title of the article was uh, uh, Guns Clean, Power Dry, something like that. And how there's a major difference in terms of the interaction between a family-owned business and the government and a stock market-owned business and the government. And the stock market-owned businesses or businesses that are publicly traded have much shorter outlooks, and they tend to ask for free money a lot more than family-owned businesses. And family-owned businesses kind of see the state or the government or wherever they are as a partner in the future, whereas the, uh, the, the business that's owned by the stock market sees the government as sort of the lender of last resort. And it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see in this crisis if in America, because you don't often hear about as much, Europeans are very big on family-owned businesses in terms of talking about a business being family-owned and being proud that a business is family-owned. In America, the land of capitalism and free markets and business acquisition and selling, it's a lot more wheelie-dealy. You know, people don't really do it as much. But in the last 10 years, we've seen the, the emergence of the, of the corporate welfare case on the stock market needing support. And I think it's going to be interesting. I would wonder. I wonder if an economist could do a study on the performance of family businesses versus family-owned businesses versus stock market or publicly traded companies during this crisis. Um, Ira, yeah, I think you. Yeah, I was going to say. To, sorry to interrupt you. I think you raise an, an interesting point because a lot of it has to do with time horizons, hmm. and we make different decisions based on different time horizons. Um, and if our time horizon is this quarter, this year. Uh, we will make dramatically different decisions on on how we allocate resources, how we structure our, our balance sheets, and so forth. And na naturally speaking, family businesses tend to have a much longer time horizon for how they plan. That being said, a lot of times with a longer time horizon, you you tend to play um, more a little bit more conservatively, and you understand that over a long time horizon, there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs. So you you brace for those a lot more, even when times are good. And uh, that's certainly been Keystone's attitude around this. Look, we've been around, we're celebrating 75 years this year. We've seen lots of ups. Oh. Thank you. We've seen lots of ups and lots of downs. And here we are to, 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 to tell the tale 75 years later. And this is just another one of those downs that we're going to navigate through, which I actually think there, is, there are tremendous silver linings through this particular cloud we're in. We can talk about those separately. But um, it's 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 a matter of 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 disposition in terms of how you structure the business for the long term, and if you're willing to be patient and resilient, and um, keep a positive attitude about you know looking beyond what happens right now, uh, I think there's a there's a a real um, you know sense of optimism for for kind of long term success without having to take a lot of knee jerk reactions to satisfy a short term you know income statement or balance sheet requirement. 
it's interesting how uh, that that you know it's that when you speak to good leaders, they tend and I don't know if optimism is the right word. We don't I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I think that I mean you're optimistic on Keystone's future period, right? We don't know what's going to happen with this crisis and how long it's going to take to plan itself out. But there definitely is from people that are are, are good leaders, Greg. There's definitely a sense that I'm I'm gonna my team is strong, my financial si situation is good, and I'm gonna make it through this. And there's gonna be some casualties, and we're not gonna have the kind of year revenue wise we would have normally had. But in a sense, there's like a we, we've spoken to a couple people now, like yourself, Ira. Anthony Corey came out yesterday and then Ellis Yon. And there's a sense of like almost, I don't know what it is. Like I'm prepared to face this and almost curious to see how your team performs in a crisis. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know. It's not like you welcome it in a way, but in some senses, it's like, this is a good challenge for Ira Greenberg. No question about it. And uh, look, I could I could spend a lot talking about what it takes here to be a good leader through these kinds of situations. It's it's boy, it's easy to be a good leader when times are good. Mm -hmm. It's 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 hard to uh, it's hard to really make too many mistakes and, um, and 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 be blamed because the ship's you know continues to rise. Uh, but really, you're absolutely right, Michael. I think that uh, challenging times define character and define uh, real leadership. And people that can act decisively with clear communications, um, you know, with uh, you know, being able to to move quickly, even though all the information isn't immediately available, uh, this is a time to to rally, to motivate, to inspire, to 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 basically come together and build uh, a more unified team. And we've I've taken that very same attitude around Keystone here. Um, I've had a lot of heart-to-heart -heart discussions, you know, I'm wearing my emotions on my sleeve. People know that it's real and genuine, how I feel about my appreciation for what they're doing. If we've got people on site, you know, I've made um, speeches in, in, in our production and warehouse teams where, you know, it was hard for me to not keep, keep from choking up just to show my appreciation. And I think that's the type of leadership that people want to see. They don't want to see um, absenteeism, absentee leadership. I don't think they want to see distant leadership. I think they they want people that are in it with them, um, and that's something I've I've been um, proud to to be able to provide for our organization. And uh, I think it's the I just think it's the right thing to do. Also, though, also I think they're also um, they're looking for you know like they're looking for leadership from the president of the United States, from the prime minister of Canada. They're looking for leadership from their mayors and governors and premiers, and they're looking for leadership for the industry they're in. And no uh, hopefully you know, this is, there's, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty and people like mm -hmm. to be reassured when there's uncertainty and mm -hmm. people like to know that they're not alone. And I think that people also want to know that, um, you know, feelings are such an important part of, of good leadership. You have to really connect at a personal level. Um, that, that's where I think some of our more um, visible faces in, 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 in the news have been coming up short. I think there's been a lot of just disconnect in terms of feeling the pain. And, um, you know, that's something that I, I feel like I've been able to um, just do as much as I possibly can here at Keystone is I'm in this together. We are all we all have something at stake here to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, our families, our communities, our company. And, um, I, you know, we, we look, there's a reason why um, uh, 
companies oftentimes um, the best led companies come out way ahead through a crisis. They don't just come out ahead or come out still alive. They come out way ahead. Uh, and I like to think that this is an opportunity for Keystone to come out way ahead. You know, the other thing that they're looking for when you're talking about uncertainty, okay, so or when they're looking for leadership, what the, 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 the problem people have is not that there's that many people getting the COVID, okay? It's just, I'll be honest with you, like, I, there's not that, the cases are not that high where I am in Ontario. Um, you look at Pennsylvania on these things, it's not like there's tens of thousands of people. Now, New York's a different story, but across the board. But people are wondering, they're, they're afraid of the uncertainty. They're wondering if their job's going to be there when this whole thing's over. They're yep. wondering if the company they work for is going to survive the crisis. Maybe they, you know, maybe the company was already in trouble going into this crisis, and now it's even worse, and they have a mortgage, and their wife just got laid off, and, you know, whatever's happening. They're, they're really, there's a package of uncertainties right now and uh, if a leader like yourself comes out and says, I'm with you guys, I'm here. Keystone's going to make it through this. We're going to emerge stronger. You know, people, um, even if we fail, you know, there's a gut check time where you got to say, no, we're not going to fail. And sometimes you do. You don't control everything, Ira. But, mm -hmm. you know, you gotta, you're letting your people know that you're committed. And I love that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm totally with you, bro. Yeah. And, and I, I have to say the response from our team. Our, our vendors, our customers, mm -hmm. our employees has been unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not just leadership, but you need good good followers, so to speak, as well in these kinds of times. And I would say that the other people that have um, made this possible are, are all the people on the front lines, um, you know, doing the day-to-day -day work to, to, to keep our business running. And uh, just the amount of effort, additional effort that they're putting in, the creative ways that they're remaining active and uh in communications with us it's really remarkable um yeah, for sure it's, it, frankly I'm, I'm i'm so proud of what our teams have been doing um you know i'll it, tell you this just to jump on that because this is like a personal beef of mine that i that really bothers me in a time of crisis there's nothing worse than defiance you know especially defiance from people that don't have expertise okay mm. so you know, you you know, you have people on uh, on Twitter, on the uh, on um, on uh, social media coming out and saying lockdown Canada, lockdown Ontario. The government's not doing enough. And then you look at them, and you know, nothing wrong with being a plumber, but you're a plumber. The the person that's made the decision is a team of economists and health experts, doctors, research. Like if you look at the panel that that the, the premiers and the prime minister and the different thing that's going on in Canada, I'm sure it's the same in the States. They're not making gut decisions here. They're listening to extremely smart sure. people. And, you know, the business owners that are looking that I've talked to, I've talked to three now, yourself, Ellis, Jan, Anthony, Corey, they took very seriously whether or not they were essential services. That wasn't a, yeah, ha, 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 we're an essential service. Look, technically it says this and whatever. Ha, ha we're going to go back to work. Sure. They took that decision very seriously. They put as many people as they could at home and to work from home and kept as many people to have their jobs. So I, there's a sense in which I, I agree with you. You need good followers in the company, but even as in our society, I mean, the, no center, about it. the center for disease control and prevention is not filled with a bunch of bozos who have no idea what they're doing. There's smart people yeah. there for sure. 
and they're and and the, and the and the hospitals. One of the reasons why these cases are not going so up, one of the reasons why so many people are not dying, is not because the virus isn't bad. It's because our healthcare is so good at these places, and people are working their butts off, and they're doing a good job. No question about it. And and to see people not complying with the requests or now the demands uh, not to socially distance, and to see people on uh, spring break at, at these massive gatherings and and uh, public parks where there's still a tremendous amount of of interaction. It's disheartening for all these other people that are struggling to survive to make sure their lives remain intact. To see people in other parts of the country um, really not heeding the warning. Um, we're all in this together. Everybody plays a role, and um, and and it and there's shouldn't another really. Side to that. It's, there's another side too of the defiance, which is the calling out of health professionals and leaders for not doing enough. I think I think it, it, both sides of the defiance are not helpful. You know, um, yeah. people that are not listening, and then people that are are not health professionals and are not having a discussion. They're just um, they're just. Uh, you know, uh, accusing people of not taking this seriously at the same. So both sides, I think we need to look to our leaders and support our leaders in a time of crisis, not be one of the problems. No question about it. What True leadership emerges now. Ira Greenberg, thank you for being a guest on our COVID leadership series on the Get a Grip on Lending podcast. It's my absolute pleasure. Great to see you guys. Hope you're being safe. Thanks, Ira. Folks, this has been brought to you by the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Keystone's a proud member of that association, and uh, we love having them. Check out keystonetech.com. But most importantly, thanks for listening. Stay safe, folks.